the unsurpassed, penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad calvers. Now we can see and hear it, we can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. So it's nice to see everyone. We just had our transfer of merit ceremony. And somebody might have explained about what is merit and what we do, what are we doing, but I would very briefly, what is merit and how do we offer it to other beings or transfer it or whatever? Well, it's a little bit like praying for somebody, you know, but without a kind of asking for a particular outcome, like wishing them well, you know, may all be the best well for this person. Not that may they pass their exams or, you know, whatever it might be, but just wishing them well somebody is sick, they may die, you know. Maybe it's their time to die. It's not we're just trying to fix things for them, but to wish them well. May all be, work out for the best for them. So that's what we do. And it's not magic, but it clearly works because people for whom merit has been offered feel it, you know. And sometimes one person, sometimes a whole group of people and it helps us too, actually, because we don't feel quite so helpless when we see suffering, whether it's somebody we know and love or whether it's whole groups of people, maybe it's the whole world, you know, it seems to be a mess at the moment. Just offering merit helps us feel a little bit better and not quite so helpless in the face of it all. And I think it does help beings. The scripture of Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, which we just sang, and of course, you were mostly offering incense at the time, so it's hard to kind of completely pay attention. But I'm going to talk about it a little bit, because it's a really wonderful thing. Well, Kanzeon is a Japanese name for this bodhisattva, and Avalokiteshvara is a Sanskrit name. It's the same being, Kuan Yin in Chinese. And um, we have her as a female being in the scripture. We used to be have her as... In, I think in ancient India, Avalokiteshvara was considered male. Then in China, I think female. And then in Japan, beyond male and female. Rev. Nazarin nodding. Am I right? I think I'm kind of right. So really, um, beyond male and female, but there's been so much emphasis. You know, We just thought, to balance it out a bit, we have always male beings, male Buddhas and male Bodhisattvas. Let's have a female one. Let's have Avalokiteshvara. So we made a female although, in fact, it's beyond. But, you know, people relate to that. Well, what is a bodhisattva? There's different forms, but it can be seen in different ways. Can be, you can be she, can be seen as the actual being who helps us, who actually people pray to and get, you know, see, some people see Avalokiteshvara. I don't, but some people do, and I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm not going to disbelieve that. We don't have to absolutely believe everything, but we don't have to disbelieve. So, just to keep an open mind. Maybe there is a being who comes and helps beings, people, or whatever it may be, in whatever form she, he, or it may appear. Something does help beings who cry out for help in some way. And also, there's several big bodhisattvas 
And they all have their own attributes. Avalokiteshvara is compassion. Manjusri, wisdom. Samantabhadra, universal love, and so on. So they all have their attributes. And they, the bodhisattvas can also be seen as characteristics we would like to embody and cultivate in ourselves. So if we want to cultivate compassion or wisdom or whatever, we might consider that bodhisattva and ask them to help us. You know, different ways of, of uh, seeing them. And in this Avalokiteshvara scripture, we can consider, how do I find compassion in these situations in which I find myself? Because in this scripture we can see Avalokiteshvara both as a bodhisattva helping beings and as qualities of mind or compassion that can help us in the various situations of our lives. So we can see in either or both ways. Well, as the scripture says, first of all, she's been serving the Buddhas for countless ages, long, long time. But you can't imagine a Buddha who does not have boundless compassion. Of course, compassion is a part of being a Buddha. So she's been serving Buddhas for countless ages. And it said there are lots of Buddhas, not just our Shakyamuni, but lots of previous Buddhas, Buddhas to come, Buddhas in the present. We don't know. Things are much bigger than we think. But it's in the scripture, it's our own Buddha, Shakyamuni, who's describing Avalokiteshvara and what she does. So, she responds to calls from everywhere, all these people calling on her, and all these dire situations they find themselves in. Whether people know about her or not, they just ask for help, and help comes. Some people have never heard of Avalokiteshvara, she may come and help them. Or sometimes just compassion arises spontaneously in a person no matter who they may be and no matter in what situation they may find themselves, compassion can arise in anybody in all kinds of ways, unexpectedly, quite often. Okay. Well, all these dreadful situations that are described in the scripture... Um, being flung off mountains and attacked by enemies and put in prison and all kinds of things, well, they can be seen as our own perceptions of things. Being in prison, when we're in the prison of our own fear, our own hatred, or our own desires, or whatever, you know. But compassion can help to free us from that. You see, in all these different ways, somebody trying to push us into a fiery pit is one of the first ones, and that could be seen as somebody trying to make us angry or we think they're making, trying to make us angry, whether they really are or not, we don't know. But if you can find compassion in that situation, when we think, you know, we're kind of having it set to with somebody, well, that fiery pit can become a cool lake where we can find compassion. If we can sit still, take a breath, and not just react, but if we can just think of compassion, then that fiery pit becomes a cool and silver lake, our anger is kind of cooled. It cools the whole situation. Sitting still. This is a fundamental thing of compassion. Just being still with whatever is going on is itself the practice of compassion. No matter what, no matter who, no matter where, no matter how we find ourselves. Just to be still. Just to take a breath if that's all we can do before we react or before we get upset. You know. We can all think of situations where you know, we may be 
like somebody that seems to be trying to make us angry or we get beginning to get upset with somebody who seems unreasonable to us. And then we might consider, maybe this person is having a really difficult time. Maybe something has happened that I don't know about. Maybe somebody's died. I don't know, you know. And maybe it's not about me at all. They're just having a really difficult time and I just happen to have set them off or something has set them off. I don't have to react and get upset. I don't have to get angry too. Just to have compassion for that person. Because when you're angry, you're not happy. You're miserable when you're angry. You may think it's justified. You may have this sort of upright of righteousness, but actually it's a suffering because it creates trouble and it's not peaceful. So we don't have to take it personally if somebody is angry at us or seems like they're trying to make us angry. Maybe not about us at all. We don't have to take it personally because it's taking things personally that tends to give us, cause us suffering. Taking things personally, thinking this person's out to make me angry or that, you know, being un- unkind to me. It may be nothing to do with me. And even if it's somebody we know well, you know, um, we don't know what it's like to be them. We don't know what they may be going through sometimes. Maybe we just don't know. You know? And if we do know, can we have compassion? Whether we know or not what's making them unhappy, can we have compassion? Just be still and just be kind, you know. And maybe sometimes people just don't know how to deal with their suffering and they just lash out at us or whoever may be there. But compassion really helps both them and us not to just make it worse, but to just cool it. Make that cool and silver lake. Helps both us and them. We don't have to put up with ill treatment, but we, don't, we can find compassion. Drifting in the ocean, in danger from monstrous fish or evil beings, that's another thing, you know. And then the sea becomes compassion. Yeah. How? Well, if we're afraid of somebody or something, this, this, evil, you know, this ocean filled with lurking things I can't see, or maybe I think I know what's there, but that fear of what we don't really know, because fear is almost always about we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's, what's out there, you know. What we don't know, what we can't see, we get afraid. But compassion can help us with that fear. To recognize, you know, I'm really afraid. I may know what I'm afraid of, I may not know, but mostly I'm afraid of, I don't know what's going to happen. How will it be, you know? But it's our little fearful self <coughs> that's at the bottom of the fear. Excuse me. <coughs> Afraid for myself or the people I love, but it's all mostly about me. You know, that's why we are afraid. <coughs> me versus something else or somebody else. Me versus what's out there. Me versus the person I can't get along with. Me versus anything. The great unknown the nameless dread, which I talk about often, um, thinking of that as something out to get me or something I need to be afraid of. But if we can be still, just sit still, and entrust ourselves to that cool and silver lake, the sea of compassion, because it's much bigger and kinder and wiser than we are. There's something there within which we live, actually, that vast ocean of compassion that sustains us, that gives us our very life. And if we can just entrust ourselves to that, 
in the midst of fear, worry, not knowing what's going to happen, whatever it might be, to entrust ourselves to that, it helps us immeasurably. The world is not out to get us, you know. We don't have to be afraid of everything and everybody. To just sit still with compassion. There is compassion everywhere if we look. Everybody has that within them somewhere, even if it's buried really deeply under a pile of other stuff. Everybody has that heart of kindness because everybody has Buddha nature. We're all part of the great ocean of compassion, Buddha nature, the unborn, whatever we want to call it. We're all part of that. (coughs) And it doesn't mean just foolishly trusting people we shouldn't trust, but it does mean not assuming the worst of people, assuming the worst of situations, thinking everything's awful or everybody's an enemy, you know, or whatever it might be, whatever we're afraid of, just to keep, to have compassion for that fear, not think, oh, just get over it, you know, but to have, to treat, it with, treat that fear with kindness, just to be still and entrust ourselves to something greater that we can entrust ourselves to. Not assuming the worst. Well, all these dreadful situations being hurled down from a high place or, you know, well, maybe that's, is somebody trying to defame us or ruin our reputation? You know, it can happen. When it happened to the Buddha, he would just ignore it. People would say, oh, you have to defend yourself. But he wouldn't do anything. He'd just say, don't worry, it'll die down. And it would, you know. People saw there was no truth in it. If we leap to our own defense, if we think we're being slandered or whatever, and we may or may not be, but if we leap to our own defense, it can just make things worse. And sometimes we do need to say something or do something. But compassion for everybody concerned, including ourselves, helps an awful lot. Not getting righteous, enraged or whatever, just, I don't know why this is happening. Maybe I do know. Maybe they're envious or maybe it's, I don't know. But... Um, to just have compassion. There's a reason people do things. There's always reasons people do things, and we don't always know what they are. Usually we don't. When there's some great storm in the scripture, when everything seems to go wrong, you know what it's like, you just have one awful thing happen after another, turmoil in our life. How do we find compassion for ourselves and everybody else concerned? by sitting still, just being still within that and accepting what's happening. Try not to get too upset by it all and be reactive and just doing our best with it, whatever comes our way, just doing our best, one thing at a time. Sitting still, that is practicing compassion, to just be still with the turmoil that comes our way, which inevitably does in life sometimes. Just being still with kindness to ourselves kindness to everybody concerned. If struck by cruel disasters, evil hand, or tortured by interminable pain, we flee to Kanzion's gentle arms, she being wise and full of mystic power, who will save us from all worldly grief and care. Lovely. This doesn't mean that disaster won't happen. It doesn't chase it away. Disasters do happen. It doesn't mean our pain will go away. We do have pain. Sometimes it's interminable. But if we sit still and do our best to accept it and just do our best with it, 
you know, take medicine if you can or deal with the disaster. Um, but if you sit still and find compassion somehow, you suffer a whole lot less. Ask for help from other people, from Avalokiteshvara, from the universe, whatever. Just to ask, please help me, asking for help. This is itself to have compassion, to just open ourselves up to the help of the universe. We're not great big powerful beings, we're little beings. Avalokiteshvara is the powerful being. With her being wise and full of mystic power, it's not our mystic power, it's something greater than us that we can turn to and ask for help. Having compassion for ourselves, having compassion for other beings. When we've been through some pain and suffering, we know what it's like. and We're more likely to have compassion for other people going through pain and suffering. People have suffered loss of a loved one. They know what that's like. And they tend to be very sympathetic when somebody else has somebody die. You know? He's widely skilled in knowledge of all things. And there's not a place where Kanzion, Avrakateshvara, does not go. Widely skilled in knowledge of all things, knowing everything, seeing everything, knowing, seeing all. Where there's no judgment, no loving, knowing all, no matter what, no matter what a person has done, no matter what they've been through, no matter where they are, what situation they find themselves in, you can always be compassionate. You can always ask for help. None of us is outside that, or think we can think we're unworthy. I shouldn't ask for help. I'm just a, you know. But actually, we can and we do. We have to. None of us is so awful that we're outside that compassion. We're not that great, you know. We all need compassion. We all need help, and we can all ask for it, and we can all open up to it, you know. And when you sit still, we can see more clearly without judgment, if we can have compassion. Nothing is unworthy of compassion, as I said. There's no place where compassion does not go. It goes everywhere like water. Pervades everywhere. Water doesn't think, ew, I'm not going to go into that mud over there. It just goes right in. You know, doesn't look, it doesn't course, it doesn't care. All compassions like that will go everywhere. In the muddiest, darkest, awfulest places, in our own hearts and in our world, Compassion can be there. You keep, you know, you hear stories of people in dreadful situations, and there's compassion. People in death camps, and somebody will be really kind to others, and give themselves endlessly to help other beings. And sometimes, they, you know, they get killed or they die. It's not like they are immune, but they do their very best to help other beings. Everywhere, there's compassion. So when you make a judgment about somebody, about ourselves, or about a situation, or about another person, we don't know the whole story. We don't know why people are the way they are. We don't even know why we're the way we are most of the time. Why is this happening? Why is it like this? We don't know all the things that are there. And over and over again we might find we've misjudged somebody, or some situation. But when we learn more about it, we think, oh... Well, that's not a great response, but, oh, that's why they're like that, you know. We soften our view. We can become more open and more kind. Maybe better to have no view at all, but to have a softer view than some kind of judgmental thing, oh, I know what's going on here. You know, that tends to be when you see in black and white. Well, nothing's black or white. It's all, you know, 
grey, to various shades of grey. But to just accept people and accept the things they do and accept things as they are with as much kindness and compassion as we can muster. It seems to be like the best, the kindest to ourselves, kindest to other beings to do that as best we can. All the evil ways of living, all the pain that comes from birth, old age, disease and death, will for eternity all pass away. We are all subject to birth, old age, disease and death, but we don't have to suffer quite so much. If we can sit still and accept them with compassion, whether it's our own or somebody else's, well of course we grieve when somebody we love dies, or there's some serious illness. But if we get angry about it, it gets a whole lot worse. It's really painful if we're angry about the things that happen to us or the people we love. But if you can accept them and find compassion within that, it really helps us and them. Mm-hmm. We're not in control of our lives. We're just little beings. We all get sick. We all get old if we're lucky. And we're all going to die. But if you can face these things with courage and compassion, sit still and truly accept them, then we're learning wisdom. And that's the other thing. Compassion and wisdom go together. You can't have one without the other. If you have compassion with no wisdom, it's just you know, a nice feeling, but it's not really helpful because you've got to have some wisdom to know how to accept this, how to deal with it, how to respond. Maybe I can do something, maybe I can't. Wisdom wouldn't be wisdom if there wasn't compassion. It would be cold. There has to be compassion with wisdom. That's why Avalokiteshvara serves the Buddhas. All the Buddhas. There couldn't be Buddhas without compassion. It would not, be, would not make any sense at all. Boundless compassion. Unjudging compassion. You know? The Buddha, you know, he would talk to everybody. People would come to him. There would be, you know, kings, merchants, courtesans, street sweepers, um, there was the, the night soil carrier who felt completely unworthy because he was, he, he, people would avoid him because he was a poop cat, you know. Somebody had to deal with it. Um, and he wanted to, and he came to, he heard about the Buddha and he couldn't resist. He came to hear him, but people sort of drew away from him and he ran away. And the Buddha saw this and went after him. And the night soil carrier falls on the ground and the Buddha says, come and be a monk. And he did. Buddha didn't mind. He was fine. You know. But that was so unheard of in those days. Even now, probably. And um, to just accept beings with complete compassion and love like that. It's just, um, that's what Buddhas do. You know. Well, I've only talked about a little bit of the scripture because I don't do long talks. I don't want to go on and on and on. But it's full of wisdom. This wonderful scripture. And at the end of it, when the Buddha finishes description of Avalokiteshvara and all that, all that she does, all the many people present then, with all their hearts, cherished a longing deep for the supreme enlightenment with which nothing in all the universe compares. This is the first time we hear about enlightenment. We have always, you know, Avalokiteshvara doing all these things. Enlightenment? Well... Of course, because to sit still in the midst of all the conditions of our lives is to practice compassion. 
and wisdom. Both compassion and wisdom. Just sitting still with all that comes our way. When we begin to learn to meditate, we may think it's just to help us with our immediate suffering. But it's much more than that. But on our way to something much greater, much bigger than me and my little suffering. And when we aspire to realize the truth, which is what does tend to happen, and when we have the wish for enlightenment, it's not just for ourselves, it's for all beings. We want to realize the truth for all beings, not just for me, have my little enlightenment by myself, for all beings. That's the Bodhisattva way. Bodhisattvas help beings. Well, there's so much suffering in our world, as we know, and it seems to keep getting worse. I keep doing talks saying, well, it's terrible now. It's, but then I think, boy, it's worse than it was the last time I said that. You know? It's just awful. So what can we do about it? You know? We can sit still, we can practice compassion, and we can offer merit for everybody concerned, without judgment, without anger and hatred, there's enough of that, but just compassion and we may not understand half of what goes on, but if we can do it with a little bit of compassion and just offer merit for everybody, that really helps. No matter what's going on, just compassion. And this is to have a look at Teshvara's teaching for us today. And thank you. Thank you, retreat guests, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And I hope we'll see you all again soon. <laughs>